Let's welcome John as he comes to bring God's Word. That'd be awesome. Thank you, Twigger. Hey, it's good to be out here. Are you guys doing okay? Ready for a public holiday tomorrow? Anyone got to work tomorrow? Oh, I feel for you. We will pray for you straight after this. Um, we're going through a series, the book of James. Um, but we sort of wrapped up the church-wide series, but we just thought it's such a good book, we're just going to continue through it, okay? And so tonight we're going to push into James 4, uh, verses 13 to 17. And so you can get out your Bibles or your iPads, it'll be on the screen as well. Just want to give you a little bit of a feed, uh, a little bit of a summary if you're watching first time online or you're uh, here for the first time and you may not even know much about James, maybe you don't know much about the Bible, well, I just want to give you a little bit of insight because uh, these things help us as we begin to read um, what God is saying to us through uh, these, these letters. And so the book of James is a letter written by, surprise, a guy called James and uh, it's to Christian Jews scattered around the Roman Empire and um, it is thought to be written around about 45, maybe, maybe 48 AD, so it's a, a long time ago. But in this letter, uh, James is calling Christians, followers of Jesus, not just to be hearers of the word, but to actually be doers. So actually what we're hearing from God, uh, what we're, we hear in the word of God uh, through the Bible is actually actionate. And it's actually encouragement to say, uh, let's grow in, in spiritual maturity. Let's, let's keep pushing in and growing and because there's importance in that. For example, my, uh, my son who is eight months called Sonny. Uh, it is imperative that Bree and myself, uh, it's probably more Bree, um, we, we move him and transition him from uh, being on milk, which was so important and critical for his early development, uh, but transitioning him now into solids. And uh, the reason for that is because um, the nutrients that these solids bring enables him to actually uh, get the strength, both mentally and physically, to uh, reach milestones to actually to grow in strength and discover things. And one of these milestones that he's actually just sort of discovered is uh, the ability to crawl and climb. And trust me, he crawls everywhere and he climbs everything. We found him in the shower just the other night. He, that's what he does. He just goes and finds the shower and that is his place of refuge. I don't know why. Maybe because that's where I spend a lot of my time making, doing my thinking. Um, and so as he goes and crawls, there's one thing I've discovered is the, the joy that is on his face as he moves, as he climbs things. It, it, it's such an amazing thing to watch. You hear squeals of enjoyment from the next room as he's climbing yet another thing. And this all came about because of him maturing, Okay. And learning how to chew took time. And him going through the most pure frustration, trying to learn what it meant to crawl, uh, was really interesting to watch. But the fruit of his learning this, the fruit of the frustration, the fruit of his perseverance in these areas, actually meant that he discovered something he never knew existed, which was movement. And in that, he's discovered freedom. And so this is what it is like for us spiritually. As we grow in spiritual maturity, so does our spiritual strength. And it's important for us to be growing in our spiritual maturity, our strength, because God does not want us to be like shifting sands in the ocean. You, you watch the tide comes in and the tide goes out, the currents come through and the sand will shift. And this is important that we don't shift like the sands in the ocean because Satan is unfolding his plans to draw us away from the Creator God and the life of freedom God has for you and for me. And this is important 
And this is what James, and sometimes James can be pretty harsh in how he does his, his letter, but he's trying to push home. Let's mature in our faith. Now, one thing I want to highlight is this. Now, many people read the book of James and become burdened by guilt as James addresses these variety of topics, okay? Topics that where the Jewish Christians had failed. And if we do not understand this, that the, that the letter of James is grounded in the grace of God through Jesus, what we will do is we'll become guilt-written and actually even begin to think that we're worthless or that we can never achieve it. But I want you to know that's not the story. This is not what James is trying to get at. What he is saying is bound in grace. He's saying, now that we know grace, now that we know we have a God who loves us and is for us and has made a way, He died on the cross for us and rose again. Now let's push in and begin to grow and mature. And that gives us the freedom to be able to do that. One thing that I learned in my relationship with Jesus, and I've heard many Christians struggle with this, is the fact that many people think that God will only give you peace and God will only bless you once you have reached destination B. You know what I mean? You've dealt with all your struggle in that particular area. Now that it's finished, now God is happy with you and pleased with you and He's going to then bless you. But if you read the gospel, if you understand the importance of Jesus dying on the cross, his resurrection, why it was so powerful that he rolled the stone back in victory is because then we know then we have a God who is just as excited about doing the, the direction of leading us from A through to B. I mean, I spent a lot of my life thinking, I need to get to B and then God will be happy with me. But actually, the God that I read actually says that He died on the cross for us while we're still sinners. And what He loves to do is take you and say, look, let me take you from A in your mess and let me lead you through. And I am just as delighted as leading you through here as when you reach your destination. And this is the kind of lens I want us to look through as we're doing this. Because we have a great God and a God who loves us. And so in light of that, Let's read James 4, 13 to 17. And this is what it says. James had just talked about taming the tongue and now he is going into boasting about tomorrow. And this is what he says in the NIV version. It goes like this. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, we'll spend a year there, carry on business, make money. James says, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? Your life is a mist that appears for a little while, then it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. What is James addressing? Tonight, if you are sitting in your seats or you are watching online and you are beginning to sweat bullets because you have just booked tickets to go overseas, uh, maybe your long life dream was to work in London and experience work there and experience culture there. Maybe you have got a successful business and uh, it has gone so well that you now have an opportunity to press into the international market. And so you put all these things together and then you hear this passage and you're beginning to stress and beginning to freak out thinking, am I against God because I've done this? Have I disobeyed God? Well, I want you to hear one of these points that a commentator wrote on this passage. It says, James is not arguing against the making of money or even against the desire to make money. He is against the attitude of self-contained certainty. The attitude of self-contained certainty. The same attitude that marked 
the teaching of the false teachers. What was the, the self-contained certainty of the false teachers? It was in their spiritual practices. It was in their law-keeping. It was boasting about their level of spirituality. The commentator continues and says, such certainty is revealing an attitude that does not take God seriously enough. A mindset for which the making of money outstrips devotion to God in importance. The desire to make a profit has become such a towering priority in your life that it has actually overshadowed everything else. And this amounts to this certainty with no room for God. In other words, it's the heart behind the actions that is the issue. And this can look a couple of ways. It can look like in our life. It can be one is God is not even on the radar when we make plans in our life. Or we've chosen to leave God on the bench while we go out and do life. You mean like, God, I've, I've got the skills for this. I better take this into my own hands just in case, God, you cannot pull this together. Maybe it comes in the form of, God, how do you fit into my plans? Like I've had some pretty good success lately. Um, I've done well in all these different areas and now I'm setting myself up. And so I've got these pretty amazing ideas that I think you could do. And so do you want to jump on board for the ride? And what takes place is it becomes a heart of self and self-reliance. A disregarding God as the author of all things and God who is the Lord of all things. And this is why James says in verse 16, as it is you boast in your arrogant schemes. It's a building our lives on a foundation other than God. And so James is calling the people out. He says, why are you building your life on your success, your, your self-reliance, your great strategies and plans in order to make a name for yourself, hoping to bring certainty and, to st- and stability to your life? And this, and this is James's response to that. He said in verse 14, why? Why would you try to build success? Why would you put all your weight onto your own wisdom? says, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. What is your life? It says, you are a mist that appears for a little while then vanishes. The, the message version says that you're actually like a fog that gets the first glimpse of sun and it burns up. Wearsby's commentary actually gives a really good insight to this. It says this, he says, perhaps James was addressing the wealthy merchants in the assembly. They might have discussed their business deals and boasted about their plans. And I love what he says here. There is no evidence that they sought the will of God or prayed about their decisions. They measured their success in life by how many times they got their own way and accomplished what they had planned. I want us to note this. James isn't saying Don't have visions, don't have direction, nor is he saying stop being strategic or using your giftings or your creativity God has given you. He's saying don't stop doing that. Like if you're in administration or you're in financial planning tonight, I wanna say this, you are a huge benefit to the kingdom of God. God calls us, God calls us to be good stewards of our time and of our money and our resources. So this is not what James is getting at. If if we think of someone like Billy Graham, who travelled the globe sharing to the nations that we can have a relationship with God through Jesus. He saw stadiums filled. He saw hundreds of thousands of people come and have a relationship with Jesus. Yet he had a huge support team of men and women gifted in this area. And praise God, they did. So that's not what it's about. But what the Holy Spirit is saying to us through James, not just the Jewish Christians, but us today, is don't go about creating your plans 
and visions and using your gifts to satisfy your own needs. Building your own destiny. Building and creating a life of confidence and security built on self. And James may be addressing the wealthy and the merchants, but this can happen in any area of our life, isn't it? Maybe it's in the image you're trying to portray. Maybe it might be in your career. Maybe it's your study. Sport, it can be through lifestyle. The list can go on. This can actually happen where we can build a self-reliance in our own spiritual life. Sometimes we can come with this approach of God, look what I have done for you. Or look how spiritual I am. And this can even take place in, in how we pursue the heart of God. Sometimes we can come and instead of wanting to do the will of God out of an outpouring of what Jesus has done through our life, we actually pursue the will of God out of a fear, out of being scared that if I get this wrong, we'll all miss out on what God has for me and God will no longer bless me. God's going to take his hand off me. This is, that's not the gospel. It's a different case if your heart is to go, I'm just going to do what I want. But if we're doing it through this way, this too is self-reliance and making ourselves right before God through performance. One of the writers gives four things as to why it is foolishness to build a life on self and on our own agendas and our plans and our visions and disregard God. And this is why, why we can't afford to rely on self, why we need to rely on God, why James is saying, don't do it that way. Come and say, if it's, the God, if it's God's will. First one is this, the complexity of life. Think of all that's involved in life today, tomorrow, the buying, the selling that takes place, the getting, the gaining, the losing, the going here, the going there. Life is made up of people and places and activities and goals and days and years. And if our success is based on making perfect, crucial decisions day after day, then we're kidding ourselves. There's way too many variables for our minds, our human mindset and our own human ideas and wisdom to help us navigate through that. That's why Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. So in all your ways, submit to him and let him make your paths. It will be here that will make your path straight. The second one is this, the uncertainty life. So there's a complexity of life, then the uncertainty of life. And we've all experienced that. The last two years has been a perfect example of that. Many people, including ourselves, myself, where we can line up and see, okay, we've got stability now. And then something comes through called COVID and begins to change everything for us. But the thing is, with God, God knows the future. And he wants to take hold of our future. And he wants us to trust in his faithfulness that he will lead us. Second Timothy 2.13 says, If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny who he is. One of the statements said this, When you know Jesus Christ as your saviour, and seek to do his will, then life starts to make sense. Even the physical world around you takes on a new meaning. There is a simplicity, a unity to your life that makes for poise and confidence. You are no longer living a mysterious, you are no longer living in a mysterious, threatening universe. 
And you can actually sing, this is my father's world. Third one is this, the shortness of life. Psalm 39, four to five sums that up. It says, show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You've made my days a mere the width of my hand. The span of my years is nothing before you. Everything is but a breath, even to those who seem secure. And the final one that he points out is the frailty of man. Our body, our health, our knowledge, our decisions, our wisdom. So we can come with all our knowledge, our ideas, our experiences. But the reality is they compare into insignificance when we compare them to the knowledge of God. See, James is right. I know James is right because look at our lives. Tell me one thing in our lives that is consistent, that we can have security on. My house, I can't have it in my career. I can't have it based in my health. I don't really have a portfolio, but if you have a portfolio, maybe it's that. Maybe it's your retirement plan. And you might think of these things and hear this stuff and think, well, this is a bit negative for humanity. I want to say not at all. Because what God is calling you to do, he's saying, let's not pursue building life on self, which is so fragile. But he's inviting us to come into his plan. He's saying, come and rely on me and trust your life to me. So he's asking, do you really trust that I love you and will guide you because I am faithful? Who, who created you fearfully and wonderfully in your mother's womb? It's God. See, when we begin to understand this, it actually brings freedom. It brings peace because all of a sudden, it's no longer relying on me to make my life come together, but it's actually a reliance upon God. See, in God, where life is complex, God has a plan. He's in control. He's on the throne. Where life is uncertain, God's hand is always steady. He's always faithful. He steadies your feet on the path even when you don't know what the next step is. When life seems pointless, God shows us that we have an eternal future glory in Christ. And God lays a God calling on each one of our lives and it is to love God and then to love others. He puts a calling on our lives and says, in spite of that, now go and pour out your hearts. Go to all the nations and tell them about me, that I love them and that I want to have a relationship with them. See, the call on our life is so much greater than what the world will offer what the world sells us. It has eternal consequences. We're a part of the kingdom of God. We are children of the King. And He's saying, Trust me, I created you. I think I all know what the best is for you. Jesus loves to show us that this world is just passing. And the final one was this, is when we're frail, he is what? Strong. In my life, the only foundation I have found to be secure is in God and his love for me. Never once have I regretted a decision to follow Jesus' plan. The only ones I regretted were the ones that I followed from self. And I can tell you that. Maybe you experienced that in your own life. 
Revelation 22.13 says this, it's talking about God, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and the last. I am the beginning and I am the end. Meaning I was before time, before you even existed. He's our creator God. John 1.3 says, Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. The water we drink was from Him. The food that we eat is from Him. The ground that we walk and run on is from Him. The warmth of the sun, the cool of the evening is from Him. The very air that fills your lungs tonight is from Him. He breathed life into our lungs. Life itself only exists by God and through God. So why do we go? Why go and build a foundation for our life that has no certainty? It's it's like God is calling us. and saying, just rest in the harness. I don't know if you've ever been rock climbing or you've been abseiling. I hate heights, all right, but I got forced to do it back on school camps and and I was only 30 metres up, which is probably nothing for you, but for me, it would make my little knees knock. And uh, I remember they'd say, John, I just, you know, take the weight, hop in the harness. And I just remember thinking, this is the most fearful thing I've ever done. And it was this struggle. But that moment that I began to lean back, I still remember, you still want to lean forward, don't you? But the moment I leant back, I began to realise that actually this harness, this rope, this instructor actually knows what he's doing. And I could begin to enjoy the journey. And sometimes I can see that in our own lives. We never want to just sit back in the harness. We always want to have self or something just sitting on the edge. We want to put a hand on a rock. But God's saying, I'll tell you where the safest place to be is in my hands. Let me guide you. I'm not a God that's going to make you work, walk a tightrope of trying to navigate everything perfectly. I know that you're flawed. I know that you're going to fail things. Hence why I died on the cross for you while you were still a sinner. But what he's saying is come and begin to build your life in me. Verse 15 said, instead you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live to do this or that. Meaning God, here's all of my plans, all my dreams, my visions, and I'm going to lay them at your feet. Because I believe you know what's better for my life. God wants us to build a foundation deep into Him. I remember seeing a a picture that left a massive impact on my my life. And this this is the photo that I looked at. It was a photo of me. No, it wasn't. I think the photo's coming up. There it is. I'm a visual person, so I just remember staring at this picture for ages. But the thing I could not, amongst the the sadness of the devastation in that picture, the thing I could not shake, I could not take my eyes off, is this house that stood while all the others were on the ground. And the story goes like this. This is taken, I think, in in Texas. And a family who owns this house. Back in 2008, a a hurricane came through, which I think was called Rita. And they had a house on that same block. And a hurricane came and cleaned up that house. And they had a decision to make. We're going to rebuild. Do we rebuild here on the coast that we love? Or do we shift And they came to a point and said, no, no, this is where we want to be planted. But this time, they brought in the right designers. The foundations went deep into the rock. The house was elevated. The house was designed to take on the weight if another hurricane came through, which a few years later, the next one did come. 
and this aerial photo was taken. And I looked at that house and I remember thinking, God, that's what I want my life to be. I want to be standing. And this is what Matthew 7, 24 to 27 says. It says this, and this is Jesus says, Therefore, anyone who hears my words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. See, if we put our self-reliance on ourselves or we build a life for us on self-confidence, on a self-certainty, whether that's the material things we gain, whether it is our plans and visions and directions, if we are trying to create a name for ourselves or even spiritually, if we're trying to build our life spiritually on self, trying to prove ourselves to God, I tell you, the storms of life are gonna come and the anchor that you're holding on to is gonna give way. But the Bible tells us that Jesus, God is an anchor for our soul. And this is why James is saying, don't go that way. Come and build your life on God. Build your life self, not self-reliant, but reliant on God as living sacrifices. Saying, God, my plans, that I have my desires, my dreams, the direction of my life, I'm going to give them back to you. And Lord, if you want to shut the door on them, you shut the door on them. If you want to open them up, I'll stand in to those doors. I love what Matthew 5, 13 to 16 says in the message version. And then I'm going to get the band to come up. It says this. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel like you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything that cannot be bought. You're blessed when you you worked up a good appetite for God. His food and drink is the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the, in, in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into the kingdom of heaven. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. Discredit me. What it means is that truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all of heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and my witnesses have also gotten into this kind of trouble. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavours of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colours in the world. 
God is not a secret to be kept. You're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If, you make, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a basket, do you? I'm going to actually put you on a light stand. And now that I've put you on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Isn't that an amazing passage? God's calling us to something so much greater than what this world offers. He said, we'll miss it. He says, come to me. I'll give you life. I'll give you life to the full. He says, I'll give you a purpose that the things you're pursuing won't give you. Maybe you've been looking and watching an influencer and thinking, okay, that is the direction I need to go in order to have success and popularity. That's not it at all. God says, I'll give you life and life to the full. So what does that look like for us? Well, tonight, there's a rope down the front. And as part of this response, if you feel led that way during this song is, I want you to come and grab hold of that rope. And what that means is, uh, God, I've, I've been out doing life my own way or maybe relying on self or being worried about what other people's think, people think of me and been changing my life to fit that. But tonight, actually, God, I, I want to tether myself to You. God, I, I need to hold on to You as my true purpose in life. God, maybe the, the dreams, the plans, the visions that I had, I've been holding on to so tightly under everything else, but actually now I just want to hold on to You. Lord, if those dreams, those visions, those plans, they don't come to fruition, that doesn't matter. Because life is about You. And what God wants us to do is be people in the Word, people of prayer. God wants us to inquire in Him. I love as you read through the Scriptures, Genesis. Rebecca needed advice. So what did she do? She inquired of the Lord. Why? Because she knew that He is the only one that can bring life. The book of Judges repeatedly says, go and inquire of the Lord. Put God in every aspect of your life. Through First and Second Samuel, and again through First and Second Chronicles, David inquired of the Lord. He said, God, shall I go to that city? Shall I pursue them? What is my next step? We read this in Psalms, we read this in First and Second Kings. See, when we actually have a God perspective, when we stop trying to pursue a self-confidence but put our confidence in God, I'll tell you what happens. means that it doesn't matter if you're not the next Billy Graham. Then maybe you have this dream that, oh, God will use me in amazing ways and I'll see masses come to faith. I pray that is the case. But if your career is to face up on Tuesday to 30 crazy students in front of you, and that is the call God has given you, I want to say, both calls are just as holy. They are ordained by God. By tethering ourselves to God, it removes competition. We can celebrate people's successes. Why? Because our identity, our self-confidence isn't in self, but in what God has planned for us. It means you didn't get that job. It doesn't matter. God's got it. You go in and, and do an interview and you come out and you have just messed it up and you normally go to your bedroom, shut the door and lay in the fetal position and think, I've lost my opportunity to advance in this career. 
but you see things now through the eyes of God and you go, well, maybe God wanted to shut that door anyway. And God's plans and purposes are bigger than my plans and purposes. It protects us from going into that thing where we think my life is mundane, I better leave a legacy. It actually says, let's leave a Jesus legacy. Let's point people to Him. It means in your life, you're not needing to strive to be something else or to be someone else, but you can actually go, God, you have got me here for this season. It might be tough, but I know that you put me here because you want me to bear fruit. Isaiah 55, 8, 9 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. We are recipients of the most amazing thing because of what Jesus did in the garden in Luke 22. Jesus says, before He went to the cross, He says, Father, if You're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. But He says, but yet Your will be done and not mine. And as a result of that, we have become recipients of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, we can know a personal relationship with God that means we do not need to put reliance on self. But tonight, you can lay in your bed and say, God, I want you to have every aspect of my life and I entrust it to you. That's where He wants you to find peace tonight. You're like, but God, what? And He's like, just trust me. So that's what we're going to do tonight during this song. I want to invite you to come up and an act of taking hold of that rope is to say, Jesus, it's not about me. It's not about that plan. It's not about a dream that I had. It's actually now your dream. If that's what you want, you do it. If it's not, okay, show me the next. God, I've been running out of my own journey. I'm going to take hold of you now. And hold on to that. And when you feel the right time is, you can just let go and you can either go back to your seat. Maybe you want to kneel. Maybe you want one of the pastors to pray for you. But this is what God wants to do. He wants to break those chains of self and begin to stir something new in our lives. Let me pray. Jesus, come. Take away the things of us and make it about you. Forgive us when we are trying to work it all out, Lord. Forgive us when the joy of our salvation has been robbed because we are so consumed with trying to work it all out. Forgive us, Lord, when uh, we've doubted your plans. Forgive us, Lord, when we've gone about things without inquiring of you, Lord. May this just be every part of our life that every morning we wake up. God, this is not my life, it's your life. What do you want me to do? And Lord, then for us just to step out in faith every day and trust you. So do what only you can do in the power and the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand.
I just uh, I came across this quote today. It's a powerful quote. It's by uh, Francis Chan. And uh, he actually is a part of this series that we've been doing, looking at James. And he just says this. He says, Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Let me read that to you again. Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. And as we've heard tonight in James, we can pursue and chase after all these things of this world, but at the end of the day, if it has no eternal significance, what does it mean anyway? And, uh, and I just wanna pray for you, take this moment to pray uh, and ask God just to bless you and lead you and guide you. Uh, Father God, we just thank You for Your Word tonight. Thank You that it speaks uh, into our lives. And we thank You most importantly for Your grace and for Your mercy, Lord God. Uh, this life is not about us. It's not about uh, trying to achieve things in this world centred around our ideas or concepts or visions for our own lives, but it's about wholeheartedly focused on You and Your Kingdom and the plans and the purposes You have for our lives, great God. And there's, I, I know there's some You've spoken here tonight, great God, and we just thank You for Your Word and how it speaks into our lives. And we just thank You, God, for uh, the liberation that takes place when we realise actually, uh, you know, I, I don't need to pursue uh, success here on this earth, that in your eyes, you already look at us and say, well done, you good and faithful servant uh, in Christ. And so we just thank You, Father God, for that uh, liberation that we get to receive when we're in You, when we surrender our hearts and lives to You, uh, that we can live a life knowing uh, that nothing can take away our relationship with You, great God. The plans and the purposes You have for our lives are the best plans and purposes. And so God, I just pray You continue to help us as we go about our weeks now, that You would lead us, that You would guide us, that we'd hear Your voice and we would walk in that, in the freedom of what You provide and the freedom of what You offer, great God. And so we thank You for that. Lord, we love You and uh, we just thank You again for Your grace and for Your mercy. You're just an incredible, incredible Father. We love You, God, and we just pray these things in Jesus' mighty and precious Name. Amen. Amen. Uh, thanks for being here tonight. I want to say, I say this every week, but it's really important. If you want prayer, it's not too late just to receive prayer or you want to chat to someone, you can do that. Uh, feel free to come down the front or you can just head to our Connections Lounge and we'd love to catch up with you and just pray for you. Uh, but God bless you uh, this week and feel free to hang out and catch up uh, as well afterwards. But yeah, have an awesome week and we'll see you soon.